Good morning, church. So glad that you are here this morning. My name is DJ. I'm the associate minister here at the summit. Uh, and we're continuing in our Advent series uh, today. We started it last week. And every year we do this. And, and every year I feel like when we get to December, I feel like I hear more and more people say, and I myself find that I say it a lot more, of where has the year gone? Right? Are you guys with me on that? It's, it's like you, you, you blink, and, and yesterday it seemed like we were all in our, our swimsuits hanging out at the beach, and then, and then we were pumpkin spicing everything, and now we're pepperminting everything. And it's just like, man, before you know it, it's going to be a new year. Which is why I find for me every year I appreciate this Advent season more and more. Because when you look at the purpose of Advent, the purpose of Advent is to pull us out of this fast-paced lifestyle. The purpose of Advent, in, in many ways, is to force us to stop and to slow down and to consider the space that you and I live in. That, that we're kind of in between the, the, the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. And I feel like it's important for us to remember that the church has been given a mission. We've been given a task. We've been given a responsibility in this in-between that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are to take the gospel message to the world. We are to join arms, to link together, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, to push back the darkness, to bring some resemblance of order to a dark, broken, fallen world. And I feel like for me, when we get into this season of Advent, I'm reminded that so often we get sucked into this vortex of busyness, this vortex of of chaos, and, and we forget the purpose of what we're supposed to be doing in the here and now. That even though most of us go from one thing to the other to the other, the majority of the year, the purpose, even in all of that, is to proclaim the gospel, to urge one another on. I love what Hebrew says, to, to urge one another on to love and good works, but it's also to look with exciting anticipation at the next coming of Jesus. And so I just want to invite you as, as we get uh, started this morning to just slow down, to stop, to even now invite the Holy Spirit to prepare your hearts and your minds to renew within you that sense of gospel mission while we walk in this in-between. That being said, Brian said last week, and, and I do want to mention, I'm going to sing zero songs today. <laughs> I know. Brian brought it last week, and I feel like we could record that, you know, and... and put out a CD, but I'm not going to do that. But he did talk about, we're, we're doing this sub-theme for Advent this year, that what we've decided to do is, over the next few years, we're going to focus on the different words of Advent. And so for this year, we're really, I like the word that he said, we're steeping in joy. We just want to sit in joy. And so over the next few weeks, there might be some overlap in these sermons. And that's intentional because I feel like it's something that we don't often allow ourselves to just sit in. 
So I invite you this morning to just ask yourself, Lord Jesus, help me to slow down and show me, show me how I can experience your joy in my life. Let's pray before we get started. Awesome God, as we do sit and slow down this morning, we ask that when we consider our circumstance and when we look forward to what is to come, God, we ask you what we know not, please teach us. What we have not, please give us. And what we are not, please make us. In the powerful name of Jesus, amen. I'm a huge Survivor fan. Anybody else like that show? Yes, where have you guys been all of my life. Can we start a club? Can I make a petition? Even now, thank you. I, I got one, yeah. It's going to be me and Trudy are going to be in this Survivor Club, and it's going to be awesome. But I don't know what it is about Survivor. I've watched all 609 episodes, most of them at least twice, probably. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, we all have our shows that's just kind of on. If you come to my house, Survivor's on probably the majority of the time. If you want recommendations for which seasons are the best, just ask me. I'll tell you in which order to watch them. Uh, but there's something about it. If you, for whatever reason, don't know what Survivor is, uh, that's crazy. <laughs> but let me just explain it. So you have this group of castaways, contestants, that are dropped uh, on uh, some remote. Usually it's in, in an island. But the goal is they want to last for a certain amount of days, and they have to use their survival skills and some physical skills and, and mainly social skills to win a million dollars at the end. And what's always interesting to me is, as you watch this show is uh, how their physical appearance changes. Right, that, that a guy who showed up wearing jeans has now turned those jeans into some sweet bandana that he's wearing, right? And he's lost 30 pounds. But what's, what's cool about this show is at the very end of the show, when you're down to the final three contestants, they have this, this feast for the final three. And what I love is that these people from day one are talking about this feast that's going to be at the end. And they're thinking, man, if I can just make it to that final day, if I can just make it to that moment, all of this other stuff will be worth it because I will have arrived at the end. And then you get to this awkward moment in this last episode, and you have these three people that have pretty much been starving for, for almost a month. And it's this really awkward moment when they're just shoving food into their faces, and they're enjoying it, and they're so happy, and, and their body craves this nutrition, desires this nutrition, probably more than they even knew at that point. And so for us, as we steep into this concept of joy over the next several weeks, I, I'm wondering if the same is somehow true for us. If that for us, we've lived in this world, we've lived this life in such a way that we've starved ourselves from something that we don't even understand how much we need. That we've depraved ourselves from this idea, this concept, this promise of joy, so much so that we've given up even the idea of it. And so I want to do a couple things this morning, and the first thing is this, I want to define joy for us. 
Let's talk about what the definition of joy is. And there's a lot that we could say here, but, but I will just say this, that joy is the gracious captivation of being anchored in what is true. Joy is the gracious captivation of being anchored in what is true. Now, chances are there's a lot of different definitions of of joy that we could come up with, and they would all be biblically sound and theologically sound, but this is the one that I feel for me uh, has has landed the most impactfully. Let me break this down um, with, with each step. It's a gracious thing. Joy is a gracious thing that we have been given. It's something, it's a grace that's been given to us by God. It's something that we don't deserve, but it's a gift that we've been given. Earlier this summer, we did a a sermon series through the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, 22 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. And I love joy how that's worded there, because what that should remind us of is that it's not something that we produce. Joy is not something that that you and I, in in our life, when our circumstances line up the way that we want them to, that somehow we have miraculously produced joy within ourselves. No, joy is a gift. Joy is a grace that's been given to us through the power of the indwelling spirit within us. Second thing, it's, it's captivating. What do you think? When was the last time that someone or something captivated you? When was the last time that something truly grabbed your attention? Y'all have been captivated by soccer recently, and I don't get it. <laughs> I was, I'm going to offend a lot of people right now. But when I saw the alert come over my phone yesterday that the U.S. lost, I was like, thank the Lord. <laughs> like, now we can all stop pretending we like soccer, and we can, we can get on with the football season, which is really where we're supposed to be focusing on. Amen, thank you. Thank you. Right? <laughs> that was football. That's right. But think about it. When was the last time you guys were captivated by something? I will say, soccer fans get captivated, right? They go all out, and it's, it's awesome. I mean, it really is something, something to, to watch once, right? <laughs> but when was the last time that something or someone truly captivated you, drew you in? I think, of it, I think of it like this, like, like gravity drawing an object towards itself, right? It's that, it's that pull that you just can't resist. You just can't look away. You just can't help but be a part of. And though you may not always recognize it in the time, you're moved by that which captivates you. It causes you to do things. In Matthew chapter 2, it's part of the Christmas story, and there's this story of the Magi there who see the star, and and the star is lighting the way to the Messiah. And I love what it says uh, that their interaction was, that their reaction was in here. Matthew chapter 2 verse 10 says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They were captivated by it. 
literally to the point where they had to follow it. It was, it was pulling them in. It was drawing them close to the presence of Jesus. They could go no other way but towards it. And friends, this gift of joy that we've been invited to, uh, to experience is something that is meant to captivate us, to pull us in, to draw us close. Next thing in our, in our definition is that joy is an anchor. And so much can be, be said here about the misrepresentation or, or the, the, the misrelationship between joy and happiness. We're not going to go into that uh, really a ton, but, but the two are not the same. Joy and happiness are very different things. I love how Brian said it last week, that, that we uh, have an anchor that's based in our circumstance, not in our circumstances. That joy is something that we've been given, something that we should be captivated by, something that we should remain anchored in, whether our lives are going well or whether they're experiencing sorrow and pain and suffering. For us, joy has been given as an anchor. And what is it anchored in? It's anchored in the truth. The truth of God's word. The, 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 the truth that, that joy doesn't just come from anticipating what's in the future. That's a massive part of it. But that joy also comes when you look back at what God has already done. You look back at the story that God's already been writing, the, 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 the way he's already been moving, that when we read scripture, we read it both forwards and backwards, looking at who God was, looking at who God is, and looking at what is to come. And it's being anchored in that truth that will allow you and I to continually experience joy even in our most dire of circumstances. And so joy is the gracious captivation of being anchored in what is true. So here is my second question. Why don't I feel like I experience that? Why don't I feel like I really understand what that looks like in, in my life and, and, and how, how that's supposed to feel? I think if you, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John 16. There's a, a great chapter to talk about this, and we referenced it last week, but I want to zoom out a little more and see what's going on. This chapter of John 16 is called Jesus' Farewell Discourse. And he's talking to his disciples on the night before his crucifixion. And he's giving them some, some really powerful instructions, some really powerful promises. Uh, he's speaking with them, and he's telling them that his time on earth is almost done, and, and he's pointing to the coming of the Holy Spirit that's going to be a helper for them. And then he says this, and I, I love this interaction, picking up in verse 16 of John 16. Jesus says this, A little while, and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while, and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, what is this that he says to us? A little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me. Because I'm going to the Father, 
So they were saying, what does this mean by a little while? We don't know what he's talking about. I love this, I love this conversation here because Jesus is telling his disciples, he's saying, hey, you see me now, and then you're not going to see me. I'm going to go away, but then you're going to see me again. And his disciples, in true disciple fashion, they flip out. Because it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean? We see you, but we're not going to see you, but then we're going to see you? Like, I just, I don't really grasp what you're talking about here, Jesus. And they get so confused. But what they're missing is that Jesus is trying to give them this very significant anchor point that is going to help them live out the rest of their lives in faith. And it's the promise that he will return. That though they, they may not see him anymore, and though suffering may come, he will come back. And it got me thinking, church, we gather together week after week, and we sing, and we talk, and we pray about looking towards the coming of Jesus, the second advent, the coming kingdom. And I'm wondering for us, have we truly allowed ourselves to be anchored in that truth? Are we living in such a way that that is what allows us to experience and to expect joy in our lives? And I think one of the main reasons that maybe it's hard for us is because we can be so cynical. We can be so cynical that we completely miss it. I, I'll be honest, for me, I, I got to a point earlier this year where I had to stop watching the news. Just all of it, I don't care, even the weather would depress me, right? Like, just shut it down. And so I've been kind of processing through that just in my own life. And I think, you know, the problem for a lot of us is we wake up every morning. And for many, that's probably one of the first things that we do or we go and we experience our day or we, we hear stories. Uh, we experience things in our own life. We hear all about the evil and the darkness and the wickedness and the brokenness of this world. And I'm afraid that for so many of us, it's caused us to believe that the kingdom of God, the coming kingdom of heaven, is a great idea, but we have a hard time believing that it's something that's actually coming. And I'll say it this way, I think our worldly experience of sorrow and suffering and pain and brokenness has a danger of making us cynical about our kingdom experience that's coming. You say that again, because that's, that's important. Uh, our worldly experience now has a danger of making us cynical about our kingdom experience then. That are we truly anchored in the truth that Jesus Christ overcame death That he now holds the power over death. And there will be a day where there will be no more pain and no more sadness and no more suffering. 
Friends, I don't want my worldly experience now to make me cynical about Jesus' coming kingdom. And so for the disciples, even being with Jesus for three years, and walking with him and living with him, they see these glimpses, these, these massive glimpses into heaven. And they still don't understand what he's talking about. They still have trouble grasping what Jesus is telling them. Because in their minds, Jesus as the source of joy, if he left them, then that meant that their joy was lost. They didn't know how to process that. But what he's saying is, no, I'm sending you the source of joy, the Holy Spirit that will be inside of you, that it won't leave, but will allow you to continue to have joy even in darkness. And then when you go down to the end of John chapter 16, Jesus has explained to them that their sorrow will turn into joy that though they will experience temporary suffering, they will rejoice. But why? What gives Jesus this power? He says it at the very end. He says, I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. Be filled with joy, because I have overcome the world. Friends, don't let the world influence how you feel about the coming of the kingdom because Jesus says I've overcome the world and so the question is what do we do now in this in between in this life what what do we do in this waiting and I think I would say this I think one of the biggest things that we can do is now look for the signposts of joy Look for the signposts of joy. This, this time of year, we spend, obviously, a lot of time reflecting on, on the Christmas story. And, and when you go back through Scripture, there are so many signposts or markers or, or you know, evidence that's pointing to the first advent of Jesus. I love Isaiah 7, chapter 14, written 700 years before Christ was born. It says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us. That since the beginning, God, in his grace, in his goodness, has been giving us these signposts, these anchor points to look for joy, to experience joy, to understand joy. In that he is telling us, hey, do not get discouraged because I am working and I am moving. And then we have the birth of Jesus. And in that, it becomes more than just a reminder of what is to come. It's an actual taste of what has come. That Jesus was this tangible embodiment of joy. And he came to earth to give us a glimpse of what it is to come into the fullness of joy. And I think I was, I was struck by this. That we have to remember, church, that finding joy isn't about escaping earth so that we can live in heaven. Let me say that again. Finding joy isn't about escaping earth to live in heaven. 
but it's about starting eternity with the Holy Spirit in the here and now. Allowing the Spirit to work through us and in us and alongside of us. As church, we remember our mission to partner together in the name of Jesus to take the gospel, to proclaim the gospel, to serve to bless each other, to care for the vulnerable. All of these things, our mission, our gift that we've been given is that we've been given the Holy Spirit to help us see glimpses of heaven now. But so many times we believe that we won't find that joy until we escape the earth. Some of us are here in we tend to give the greatest audience to our fears and to our worries. That's where we give most of our attention to. Some of us are here and we're just completely overcome by the chaos of life or of, of the world. And the danger is that our cynicism then causes us to miss the signs that God has put all around us that say, no, look, I'm giving you glimpses of heaven. I'm giving you experiences of joy now that you can hold on to as you look toward the future, to the coming king. And like in the case of Survivor, maybe we have starved ourselves from joy to the point where we don't even realize how much we need it. I want to end with this this morning. Several nights ago, Diana, my wife, and I were, were going to bed and went into our room, and there was a note from one of our kids on, on the pillow. I'm not going to throw which kid under the bus it was, but only two of them can write. So <laughs> you got a 50% shot. But there's a note from one of our kids on the pillow, and on the, the, the envelope, right, like they actually went and got an envelope and put it in there, and it had written on it said, I love you, Mommy and Daddy. And that was my thought, too. I was like, oh, man, I needed this today. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this note, and it's going to talk about how, just how much she loves, like, who we are. And Oh! So Grayson writes this note. And she puts it on our pillow. <laughs> but she writes this note, and, and I'm thinking, man, Grayson is our, she's, she's a sweet kid. So it would not surprise me that, that she just wanted to, to tell Diane and I just how much she, she loved us. And so I open it up, and it's her Christmas list. I unfold the paper and it says, top five things Grayson wants for Christmas. <laughs> she is my daughter. That is correct. <laughs> and so, to, you know, I, I, had a, I had a chuckle about that and, and I was proud of her, her strategy. I've taught her well, right? <laughs> you always start with the, I love you, daddy. But then I continued reading this John 16, and these two things kind of came together for me. In John 16, verse 23 and 24, Jesus says this, Truly I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give to you. Until now you have not 
You've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Friends, the world is dark. And I know that when we talk about joy, especially for several weeks like we're doing this year, that can be triggering for people. Because we've all experienced the darkness and the brokenness of this world. We've all experienced pain and suffering to untold degrees. But then we remember that there's also light in this world. That it was in a dark world that the Messiah was born. It's in a dark world that the Holy Spirit moves. And it's in a dark world that the bridegroom will come for the bride and usher in his kingdom. And maybe for you in this waiting, in the midst of the sorrow, maybe we need to be more like my daughter. And simply ask, Jesus, let me taste your joy. Let me experience your joy. Let me be anchored that though we may suffer for a little while, you have overcome the world. Let's pray. God, we thank you for, God, who you are and, and what you've done, God, that you did pierce through the darkness, that you clothed yourself in flesh to come and to dwell among us, to live among us, to teach us, to serve, to show us what it means to truly have life. And so, God, we ask even now in this waiting while we wait for you to come again, to take your bride. God, we ask that you would help us to be anchored in your truth. To experience great joy. Because you have overcome the darkness. You have brought peace in the suffering. You've brought hope in the despair. God, you have brought life out of death. And so, God, we just ask with boldness. God, let us taste your joy. In Jesus' name, amen.